you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. I'm Melissa Lee, and this is Fast Money. Tonight's trader lineup, Victoria Fernandez, Delano Sapporo, Jeff Mills, and Steve Grasso. Tonight on Fast, the great re-rating. Three stocks with three big pieces of news this week that sent shares higher. So do they deserve a second look? We got the name straight ahead, plus the big news on the vaccine front that have shares of J&J popping in the after-hour session. And later, we are having some Friday fun with a good old-fashioned game of traded or faded, the key names that need to be on your radar as we head into a monster week for earnings. We start off with a big bond breakout. If you haven't been paying attention, yields went wild this week. The yield on the 10-year Treasury hitting a four-month high. The chartmaster called this rally earlier this week, and now he says it's got more room to run. Cornerstone Macros, Carter Braxtonworth is charting the action. Hey, Carter. Hi. Well, it was a big week uh, for rates, and obviously there are areas of the market that benefit from that. And, of course, most notably, banks uh, and other financials. But let's look at a handful of charts. The first I have here is the 10-year yield chart with the 150-day moving average. And what you see simply is that for the first time in almost two years, the moving average is flat and on the cusp of turning up. The point of using a moving average is like drawing trend lines when you break above a trend or you can measure it and a moving average is an automated trend line. The change in trend is measured by the inflection point. And so we have that by all accounts here in 10-year yields. Now take a look at the second chart, which is the KRE. It's the same circumstance. The moving average is, having been declining for quite some time, is now flat and actually uh, has inflected upward. Next chart, it's the BKX. It's the same circumstance. So the question, of course, is do all turns persist? Can these fail and turn back? Sure. In fact, uh, most had earnings last week, and they didn't do all that well. But the rate move has helped uh, this area. We're thinking rates do go higher, and the financials as well, banks in particular. Final slide. This is just looking at where we are now in relation to the June high. So what we know, of course, is we're at about 165, and we went as high as 176. We think we're going to go as high as 176 for 30-year yields. For 10-year yields, we're sitting here at, at 85 basis points, and that June high, uh, almost 1%. We think we're going there. Now, finally, look at the KRE and BKX that uh, on the bottom of the table there. Uh, were we simply to go back to where we were in the first week of June, uh, you're looking at a pretty good move from here, roughly 10 to 12% in both the KRE and the BKX. So whether you call it cyclical or defensive, whether you call it growth or value, what we do know is that they're important turns, uh, having been laggards, and a turn like this typically persists. All right. Carter, thank you. We'll see you in a minute in Options Action. So what does this rise in rates we've seen for the week mean uh, more broadly for the market? Steve, I'll go to you first. In general, rising rates, uh, you know, should be, in theory, a good thing. But in more recent history, it's been a bad thing for the markets. Well, it's not a good thing for technology stocks. You never want to buy technology in a rising rate environment. You want to buy the cyclicals. You want to buy value. Uh, as Carter left it off, you can call it cyclicals. You can call it value. I call it value. 
And when you're looking at the presidential election, if you look at a Biden win, you could see where the, the polls started to increase for Biden. Then you started to see rates increase. That's the reflation trade. So if you started to see all these rumors, Melissa, about massive spending, it makes people get out of, uh, get out of these bonds or these treasuries or 10-year. Ten, ten they sell them, and then what happens? The rates move higher from there. So you can't pass on costs in technology. That's why you don't want to be there. So you want to be in the things that have not worked, and that's why you've seen those things outperform. Chemical names, industrial names, paper stocks, all these names are up quickly, 10, 20, 30, 40% in short order, and that's what we're witnessing now as rates move higher. Jeff Mills, we see 1% as Carter is, is forecasting. What does the stock market do? I think the stock market can hang in if we see 1%, but mm -hmm. I, I'm in the camp where you see 1% and then you actually turn back the other way. Mm -hmm. I don't think the macro message from rates has really changed all that much. And I, I'll put on kind of my MIT nerd hat here for one second, so bear with me. But when you think about yields in the 10-year, for example, it's growth expectations plus inflation expectations plus the term premium. I think the move that we've seen so far is the term premium because to Steve's point what you're seeing is a really high correlation between a democratic sweep and the 10-year Treasury yield mm -hmm. so I think the market is anticipating an increased supply therefore the term premium has increased it hasn't been growth expectations it hasn't been inflation expectations and I think the increase in the term premium is actually hard to sustain right now Treasuries are at their cheapest relative to the yen and euro equivalents on an FX adjusted basis. So I think you have those investors come into U.S. government debt. It puts pressure on those longer term yields, flattens the curve. So I think that's the position we still might be in until we start to see those growth and inflation expectations reverse. Mm. Well, until until the point where it reverses and it assuming that it still goes higher, Delano, we've certainly seen the banks benefit. Would you be a buyer of the banks on, on this anticipated move even higher from where we are? Yeah, I think Melissa, that'll be something that I want to take a second look at because I've been pretty bullish. Uh, Steve mentioned I've been, I've been pretty bullish uh, when it comes to the growth names, the tech names, and that's where we've heavily stood behind. But now it might be time to take a second look, especially at the regional banks. So as mentioned, when you're dealing with a steepening yield curve environment, those regional rates might have see a push higher. And that's something we'd want to take a second look at. Because, and also the bigger banks that, you know, will benefit from the steepening yield curve, as well as having strong divisions outside when it comes to their trading or their investment banking arms. So look, taking a second look at the banks is something I'm going to do. And it's primarily driven on this, if this trend can hold. Um, and I think that's uh, definitely what we're going to be looking for uh, going forward. Victoria, does the assumption, though, in terms of the economic backdrop have to be that the economy will, in fact, continue to improve? Or can we assume that rates will rise and we could be in this weird situation where, you know, we're issuing a lot of debt because we are pumping the economy with stimulus because the economy has has stumbled. And is that a decent backdrop still for banks? Well, I think the immediate backdrop is going to be stimulus. I think that's been the catalyst to see the rates move up as much as they have over the last couple weeks. But when you look at those technicals, when you look at the range that the 10-year yield has been in during the pandemic, it's about a 40 basis point range. If you add that to where we are right now, you get to about one and a quarter percent. I'm not sure we get quite that high. I think we get right around one percent. That's not going to be enough for the Federal Reserve to go in and change anything that they've been doing. So you're going to have low rates down at the zero on the short end 
you're going to have that steeper curve. I think the Fed having the backstop and having additional stimulus come in, which right now it looks like it's going to be possibly a larger stimulus package after the election, that's going to be enough of a foundation to keep that long end going higher. As everyone has said, that's good for banks. But I also think it's good for the fixed income um, investors. They've been waiting for an opportunity to jump back in at higher yields in an area where they're not having to go down the credit curve to do so and to junk bonds. This might give them the opportunity to do that. Steve Grasso, what's good for the banks may not be good for consumers. And so the red hot housing trade, does that sort of come to a halt or at least come to a pause as we see rates move higher? You know, the 10-year on a yield basis increased by 44% from September. So it was just a month ago. And we've seen a, a stock like Lennar that I've been in and out of. That rallied 20%. So the short answer is I don't think it's going to kill the housing trade. Quite frankly, the, the dynamic of COVID is what's creating the housing boom. So there was limited supply, as you very well know, and everyone's moving out of city areas. Not enough housing out there. So I think there's multiple dynamics that, are, that are, have created the housing boom, but it's not singularly, say that twice, based on rates anymore. So I think that's, I think that's uh, and by the way, I'm gonna start dropping that school too. I'm gonna say, let me put on my MIT hat, it. but it's Jeff Mills's MIT hat from now. You're going to say you it, even though you have no ties to MIT. It's just, it's just Jeff Mills. I'm going to say I'm going to put Jeff Mills' MIT hat oh, on Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's the point of going there if I can't talk about it? Come on. Yeah, I mean, Perfect. big price tag. All right, we're following a developing story in the after-hour <laughs> session in the race for a COVID vaccine. Let's get to Meg Terrell, who's got the details. Meg. Hey, Melissa. Well, it was a big afternoon for news about COVID-19 vaccines. Both AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson separately announced that their COVID-19 vaccine trials um, are resuming in the United States. Now, AstraZeneca's had been put on a clinical hold uh, going back to the beginning of September after some events in the trial. Uh, the company now saying the FDA's reviewed all safety data from trials globally and concluded it was safe to resume the trial. AstraZeneca saying that it expects uh, results from the late-stage trials later this year, depending on the infection rates in the trial. Now, J&J had just paused enrollment in its phase three trial, which it started more recently, um, as it investigated an unexplained illness in the trial. Uh, the company saying it's now preparing to resume recruitment in the U.S., and it's in discussions to do so with regulators around the world. And uh, that's after an independent data safety and monitoring board um, recommended resuming the recruitment in consultation with the FDA. Uh, now, they don't say what the event was in the trial, but they say no clear cause has been identified. Uh, and based on the information they've gathered, the companies found no evidence that the vaccine candidate caused the event. Uh, the company going further to say they don't actually know whether the participant was on the vaccine or on placebo. Um, however, one could assume if the person had been on the placebo, we would have known a lot sooner. This took about 10 to 14 days uh, for the company to finish the investigation um, with the uh, independent uh, committee. Now, Mel, I just got off the phone uh, with J&J's chief scientific officer, Dr. Paul Stoffels, um, who said, you know, it was only 10 to 14 days as they were looking at this. So they don't anticipate a major delay um, because of this, and they still hope to get data by the end of the year. And remember, this trial only requires uh, one shot of the vaccine versus all of the others uh, in, it, uh, in the lead of it, which require two shots. So they should be able to garner data faster in the trial. And they're also enrolling 60,000 people around the world. And he said, because unfortunately we're seeing these terrible spikes in cases, 
they might get data faster. Mel? Yeah, Maggie, it's interesting because this is the first company that President Trump had mentioned last night at the debate, even though it was technically on pause last night. So it's sort of an interesting development at this point. Meg, thank you. Meg Terrell. Uh, Jeff Mills, one question for you. You're the the biggest vaccine trade um, would be what? And it doesn't have to be a vaccine maker. If there is a vaccine, what stock sector would have the biggest upside? I mean, I, I, it, it's very broad, but I think it's the value growth trade. You know, I think what we've seen in the equity markets versus my opinion on the fixed income markets is actually a reflection of things like a vaccine and, and hope there. So small caps have been ripping. Copper versus gold has been going up. You've seen that more sustained rotation into value. Breath is actually expanding. So I think if, if you get more optimism about a vaccine, you see a more ro- ro- sustainable rotation into value because people then assume that we can go back to normal a bit more quickly and that the economy is on more stable footing. So I think that's the biggest thing, especially because you have such a valuation difference between those two areas of the market. I think there. There's an opportunity for big moves on both sides. All right. Coming up, we're getting ready for the busiest week of this earnings season with reports coming from the five biggest tech names, what the traders are watching and how you should position yourself. And later, check out this week's monster move in Snap. Does this stock surge make it a whole new company deserving a whole new multiple? We'll take a look at that and some other big movers when Fast Money returns. Electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones, from powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY, a big idea that inspired the world to invest differently and still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome back to Fast Money. We are gearing up for a huge week of earnings. In fact, it is the busiest week of the quarter. So with all these reports on deck, we thought it'd be a great time to play... Trade it or fade it! That's right. Trade it or fade it. Earnings edition. So let's get right to it. First up, Pfizer, the pharmaceutical company, still negative for the year as the company works toward a coronavirus vaccine. Grasso, your first up, trading it or fading it? So I would trade this, and, and the, the truth is I've, I've been an uh, owner of Pfizer for years now, and that's the only reason why I feel the need to say trade it because I don't want to confuse, confuse the viewer. But if I'm looking for a short, term, uh, uh, short time horizon, all of these names, all of these vaccine plays are lower than they were in July. So that means they're running out of momentum. That means that it's buy the rumor, sell the news. Short-term play? sell it, long-term play, trade it, keep the trade it. I still own it. That's not confusing. Uh, Next up, UPS delivering some (laughs) big gains up nearly 50% this year. Victoria, trade it or fade it? We are going to trade UPS. Um, I think if you feel like the changes that we've seen in people's behavior is just a one-time boost to online ordering, then perhaps it's not a name uh, that you really want to get involved with. But we think it's going to be a longer-term trend. People are ordering everything online and having delivered at this point, whether it's groceries, everything having to do with school supplies, clothing. So we think UPS longer term um, has some great potential. There's been a good run up so far this year. So you might get a slight pullback on earnings that allows you to get in at a little better price. But we trade it. All right. Next up, Boeing. It is down nearly 50 percent this year. Jeff Mills, trade it or fade it? 
I'm going to still fade this one. You know, Boeing's just been stuck at that 50-day moving average for months and months. Uh, you heard the American Airlines CEO on CNBC earlier this week. You know, he, he recognized some improvement in the business, but talked about that it's just going to be a really long, hard road back to normal. Specifically talked about business travel. I think it's going to be a while before that comes back. And Boeing just continues to push back the demand recovery timeline. And I just think the stock is missing a really powerful near-term catalyst to move the stock. If I wanted to get exposure in this general space, uh, I still like Southwest. If you look at the chart, actually sh showing some pretty good momentum here. I think it's exposure to business travel, international travel is better than some of the other carriers. Uh, and the valuation also looks a little bit better too. So I'd stick there versus a place like Boeing if I'm looking for that kind of exposure. All right, finally, last week's big star, Apple, up nearly 57% this year as it gears up to launch the new iPhone 12. Delano, trade it or fade it? I am going to trade it here. So it's funny, every time I get a new Apple product, I never knew I needed it to my life until I have it, and then I can't get rid of it. I always have to use it. Uh, but we're talking about what the price action has been. We've obviously seen a pullback recently, and I think investors are taking some gains off the table, but also we've been a little bit spoiled. But I think into earnings, we're gonna understand you know, what the power, we're going to go back to what the power of Apple has as a great company, and we're gonna actually see uh, some of the things that are catalysts going forward when it comes to iPhone 12 launch, as you just mentioned, and a company that keeps consistently giving investors a reason to be into the stock. All right. Coming up, we are talking cars, clothes, and cameras. Three big moves from three big stocks this week. Why these names could deserve a full-blown re-rating. We'll bring you the names ahead. And later on Options Action, we've got our head in the cloud. We'll lay out how to trade Twilio into next week's earnings. Fast Money's back in two. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Welcome back to Fast Money. It is election time, right? So let's meet the candidates. No, not those candidates. The stocks that may be candidates for re-rating. Check out moves this week in Gap, GM, and Snap. Gap jumping after announcing big store closures as it pivots deeper online. GM doubling down on its EV ambitions, launching the new EV Hummer that's already sold out. And Snap with blowout earnings. So let's kick this off with the Gap, up 10% this week. Um, is this a turnaround taking hold here? Steve Grasso, what do you say? So there's a couple of things in, in Gap that everyone will always tell you. Athleta is, is a good business. Old Navy's a good business because it's, uh, most of them are located outside malls. Uh, the traditional store is not the good business. No one wants to be there. So I would agree with the re-rating. Unfortunately, there's too much in that, in that sausage, if you will, not attractive uh, image, to be a buyer of this. 
I think that occasionally you can get that, okay, some of the parts type thing, and, and I do understand why it's rallied, but I think longer term, stores are located all over the place. There's too much going on. There's too much room for failure. Ultimately, I'd be a seller here. I'm going to let you choose your own adventure, Victoria. Which stock do you think deserves a re-rating? Probably Snap out of the ones that we have talked about here. Um, I agree with Steve on Gap. I'm not sure they really deserve that yet. They're saying that Athleta and Old Navy is going to be 70% of their sales in 2023. That's a hard story to swallow at this point in time. So I think you need to wait and see on that one. But Snap has really learned to monetize their users. And that was the key on them. So they've got this... Um, you know, venture with Major League Baseball, their ad business is doing really well, the earnings were great. My teenage daughter, really, that's the only way she communicates with her friends. So I think if any of these, you're gonna have a re-rating, I think Snap is the, the place that you would have that happen. Yeah, Delano, which one do you like for a re-rating? Yeah, um, I actually like uh, Gap for the re-rating. So when they had the power plan, the investor meeting, they did all the things that investors were really looking for uh, and shareholders were looking for. They talked about their shift and putting their shift behind e-commerce and going away from kind of the retail footprint. They talked about becoming leaner in Europe. Uh, and so these were all signs of things that investors were looking for. It also spoke about fixing their real estate issues and exiting out of some of the malls. So a lot of those things are things that I looked at when I was uh, looking look at the framework for this company, and they echoed that uh, in this investor plan. Uh, Athleta, the brand, uh, that brand obviously has some high marks to hit, and they have you know areas where they have to execute on that strategy, but they're very keen on the fact that they understand where we sit, uh, where we're all going to be working from home, where the leisure wear is very important, and they talked about that. And so I actually like that, and I think mm -hmm. that would be where my rating is. And I'll just, I can just jump here quickly and, and talk about GM. We haven't mentioned that yet. You know, I, I buy the re-rating story there. I think at eight times forward earnings, the stock might be too cheap. You know, we're talking about multiples here. And when you think about what they've announced in terms of investing billions of dollars more than previously talked about into the EV space, I think there's a big opportunity for them. And, you know, we see the multiples that other companies like Tesla and, and others carry in the space. I'm not saying that I would equate them specifically to them, but I do still think you can carry a higher multiple. I would watch that $40 level in the stock, though. It hasn't been able to hold above that level for a very long time. But if you see momentum up and through it, I'd be very encouraged. Steve, I led you to Gap, but I'll let you choose. Which stock do you think deserves a re-rating? Yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, I, I sort of lean uh, Jeff's way here, but, uh, you know, where are you going to re-rate Snap to? I think Snap is the most overbought, overbought that it's ever been uh, in, in its lifetime of mm -hmm. trading. So if I had to lean one way, it would be GM. It's definitely outperforming Ford. So uh, that EV angle, maybe they get a little Tesla shine right. leaning their way. Okay, time for the final trade. Delano, kick it off. Yes, Lisa, I'm going to go with Gap. Uh, I still think this has room to run. It has room to gap up, no pun intended. That'll be my trade. Victoria. Well, they did their MIT hats. I'm going to do my Rice Owls hat and say buy Visa as my final trade. We've seen non-cash transactions really increase. They've got solid balance sheets, high margins. I think Visa's a great way to go. Steve. Steve? Uh, Sonos. Sonos. Back, I, you bleeped out. Sonos. Technicals uh, let me see it going to 1820 soon. Jeff. DraftKings. You can buy it here. All right, that does it for us. Don't go anywhere. Options Action's up next.
This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 